This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Marissa Lee, CEO of So Evolve and Senior HR Leader, to talk about employee engagement and the great resignation. Welcome to the podcast, Marissa. Thank you, Mercy. I am so excited to be here. Hello, everyone. So in addition to being a global HR strategist who helps organizations understand and drive employee engagement, Marissa is also an author, and her book has a really powerful title. It's called Why I Broke Up With My Company. And we know HR isn't all sunshine and rainbows, but I still think it takes some serious guts for an HR professional to put such a boldly honest statement out into the world. So before we jump into the big picture of the great resignation and all of that stuff, Marissa, could you first tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wrote the book? Yes, you kind of hit on something already. I'm not traditional HR, (laughs) and I pride myself into leaning into my authentic self and bringing that to the function. And I think that has helped me be able to be successful and add value and grow in the function um, throughout my career. So I have been in HR over 12 years now, and I started off as a seasonal coordinator in my career really took off um, after I ended up, uh, after I graduated and I was, I couldn't find a position right after school. It took me two years before I found a full-time position. So that was very early in me understanding some of the different dynamics that people face as they are looking to develop in their career and get into a place where they can continue to grow. And so that helped me to learn a lot and take that into what I valued and what I wanted to help to improve on as an HR professional with helping people find roles and then also creating the right environment and space for them. And so throughout my career, I have been able to get more insight into the employee experience and by leveraging my own, but learning from other people's to help them get better at that and help organizations get better at that. So I am on a mission to help eliminate the experience disparity in working environments. I think that really impacts how far people can go and the potential that they can have. So I'm excited about being able to contribute to that in my my day job and then also in my HR consultant business where I focus in on demystifying the employee engagement to drive those consistent experiences. Awesome, awesome, thank you. So we've been hearing a lot about the uh, great resignation, that's what they're calling our current moment where folks are saying goodbye to their employers en masse. So what do you think is driving that? They're breaking up. They they probably had that there beforehand, before the great resignation. And I will say there's a couple things we have to take into consideration, right? The first thing is the standard supply and demand, the war for talent. This is not new for anybody in the HR space or in the business environment. There has always been a war for talent. And what you will see is the, the market will shift. Sometimes it's a, a candidate's market. Sometimes it's an employer's market. And right now, and, and pretty much recently, it has been more of a candidate's market. But the great resignation has really shifted the p- 
pendulum to be more so in the candidate's favor because there is a shorter, you know, supply for sort certain roles. And then um, there's a greater demand from organizations just based off of what they need, depending on if they let people go during the, the pandemic and now they're trying to rehire people, if they have a growth initiative going on, so they need more people. And so it had nothing to do with specifically with the pandemic, but they're trying to support that growth. So there could be a lot of different reasons as to why they are looking to hire people now, but candidates are having this realization Based, at, uh, based off of, and not just candidates, employees in general, based off of the pandemic of, we just went through something that no one expected. Mm. We're getting, we're still getting through it. It's not over. We're still getting through it, but it makes you start to think about what really matters. What is important? Where do I want to spend my time? Do I want to be here all day? Like, and I'm not enjoying this <laughs> or is, are there other options out there? And so people are starting to have these revelations and really think about what they want. And so that's driving them to finally take the leap to look for other opportunities. Because a lot of times what you would see, this is not new. The great resignation is new because people are starting to act on the fact that they want to go after these jobs and get other opportunities. But, but people have probably felt in these different sentiments beforehand. They just now have been empowered to take action on that. And so it's something that organizations are going to have to be more mindful of and get more in touch with what their employees' needs are as they look to retain them and then attract new people into their organization. Hmm. So of course, there's a lot of work ahead for both uh, HR managers and, and kind of your like line manager types. Um, as far as trying to limit turnover, get folks to maybe consider, instead of making that leap outside of the company, maybe there's a leap you can make inside the company. Maybe there's something we can change about your role. How can organizations kind of bring all of that stuff to the surface, all of those potential opportunities? And if they can't, what should they do then? Because there's still a lot of folks left behind that are going to have to pick up the slack for all of those roles that can't get filled right now. Right, the unsung heroes. <laughs> That's what I call them, the people who are left behind, the unsung heroes. Let's kind of take a step back and start with the first part of your question of how do organizations or managers look to try to manage um, the turnover or retention of people? And the first thing I would say, you need to get clarity. You have to get clarity on where you are at and creating the, the right employee experiences and what your employees have a need for. So have you talked to your employees? Are you hosting stay interviews or focus groups with them? Do you have an engagement survey where you're getting feedback? Really leverage the data to get some insight. So having the conversation with them, but then also looking at your turnover data, your uh, promotion data, your uh, hire data. So there, there is a story that is there based off of what the people tell you and then what the analytics is telling you. And you have to marry those to get some insight so it can inform you on what are the appropriate steps to take as you move. So it may be the, your employees are telling you one thing and that gives you insight of, okay, well, we can incorporate this into our engagement plan and strategy. 
or it may give you the opportunity to dig deeper because they may give you insight on something that is surface, but you need to ask additional questions to really get to the root cause and the heart of the matter. So I would encourage anyone who is looking to drive more retention, they have to get some insight on what is going to retain them. And don't assume that you have the solution. You have to have those conversations and you have to really look through the data to get more clarity around that. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that, you look to build the confidence in your people, in you, and creating the right experiences. So don't ask them for feedback if you don't plan on doing anything with it. (laughs) That is one of the the fastest ways to turn off the employee Mm -hmm. population. So getting that insight and then being able to communicate and articulate your engagement journey letting them know you heard what they said, this is what's going to be incorporated, and then what's not going to be incorporated. Because the reality is everything that's recommended does not get implemented. But being able to acknowledge that that was shared also goes into a part of building that rapport. And then the last thing I would say, champion that. Continue to look to support that that growth and understanding of what needs to happen and being okay with shifting. Because today you may need to do one thing, but a couple of months later, you may need to do something else. And you have to be flexible and understand that your your strategy may continue to evolve. You know I'm big on evolving, so (laughs) you may continue to evolve as you go forward. Absolutely. And uh, my fault for asking a a long-winded two-part question, but uh, to bring it back to those folks that are left behind, Uh, still working in the company when a lot of roles are staying unfilled for longer than uh, HR would like? What can we do for those folks? Yeah, so for that, I think the first step is really getting some insight to how people are feeling. There's an emotional part of the people who are left behind. If they like their colleagues that have left, they're sad that they're gone. If they didn't like them, maybe it's not as bad, but then it's like, okay, there's the work that is going to be distributed. So what does that mean to them in the context of this person leaving? How much more work is it going to be? Is it going to be overwhelming? Is there ambiguity with that situation? So there's a lot of emotions that come up when there are people left behind and they're seeing turnover. And then if they don't fully understand the reasons behind the turnover, sometimes it could be people leaving on their own. Sometimes it could be organization decisions. So you have to be able to help to manage that and get get insight from them on how are they feeling. So giving space for the, the emotions of it. And then after you've dealt with that, shifting to what is path forward? What does it mean today and where are we moving? So helping to bring people along on that journey. So that will, uh, that will help them with getting involved with, with what you're looking to accomplish. So getting their insight on how they can help with moving forward, looking to uh, encourage them to give their suggestions, and then looking to see what you can do on your end to ease the load. Are, are you deprioritizing some of the work? Maybe you're not doing everything as you go forward. Maybe it's also looking at, does the compensation change for the people that are taking on these additional responsibilities? A lot of times we may not discuss that, but that's a critical part of if people's workload are expanding and it's going to expand 
for a significant period of time, how are you recognizing that? It may not be a base change. It may be a bonus. It may be something, but getting insight around that. So then you're bringing people along and you're acknowledging the emotional and the tactical part of being able to navigate through the turnover that is happening within your organization. Absolutely. I think that is so important. Those two-way conversations, the transparency, and the real bottom line, you know, impact on the employee is all really important to think about because something I've often seen is what begins as one employee leaving can soon become a steady trickle of folks coming out of the company. If there's, if it's all secret and nobody knows, everyone just gets the sense that something's broken. And that's absolutely not what organizations need to happen right now. And I want to add to that because you just hit on something um, from the standpoint of the lack of transparency when people are leaving. It leaves room for then the employees to drive the narrative, right, on why people are leaving. And then if there's an uncertainty there, the likelihood of them starting to look somewhere else is going to be greater. And you as a manager want to minimize that. And so the more you can communicate, the more you can engage and collaborate with your team around what is going on and how you're going to get through it, the better position you're going to be in being able to retain them. Because if you leave it out there for them to kind of figure it out on their own, they're likely to be like, I'm not about to deal with this. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Let me go find another place where I feel like there's a little bit more stability. Mm, absolutely, totally agree. So now I wanna to turn to uh, the remote and hybrid work trend. A lot of folks are saying, uh, myself included, <laughs> that's how they wanna work. Um, but some are also f- finding that they don't feel as engaged as, um, you know, as they did back in the physical office. They don't have those chances to bump into people every day and they just don't feel as connected. So how can organizations provide a more engaging experience for remote and hybrid workforces, perhaps especially when some roles are eligible for remote work and others aren't, which I think can lead to a particularly uneven sense of engagement? Yeah, I would say that we shouldn't focus on remote versus not remote and focus more so on flexibility. So how can we be flexible when it comes to employee working hours, employee working locations, um, employee needs that they may have. And when we focus more so on the flexibility, it makes sure that we're being consistent in regards to the experience and really looking to see what we can offer across the board. Because there are certain roles that can't be remote. That's just the reality of it. If you're making a widget in in a manufacturing environment, you kind of need to be in that environment. You can't do that from home, but there may be certain roles that can work from home and that may be where people like to work. So you have the piece of where the work needs to be, actually needs to be done. And then you have the preference or the the needs of of the individual where they would prefer to work from home or they may wanna be in the office regardless of if the work can be done anywhere. And so there's a piece of acknowledging the fact that you have all those different dynamics at play and there shouldn't just be a one finite, get back in the office or everybody just stay at home, do whatever you want. 
but really kind of getting a better understanding of what works for your organization and what works for the people you are trying to attract and the culture you are trying to create. I, I will say it's very important for organizations to not try to get back to normal and continue to evolve because a part of getting back to normal is getting back into the office. And we don't want to create this environment of just, oh, well, we just need to get back. Well, why? This is an opportunity to ask questions and see how we can work differently and think about the future of work. Because what we can look to expect is it may not be a pandemic, but there's going to be something that disrupts the workplace. So how are organizations positioning themselves as they go forward? What are they thinking about and learning from what we just experienced and applying that for the future? So if I can say it again, stop trying to get back to normal and continue to evolve. And that will help to give more insight across the board to whether you have people working in the office, or they are working remotely, you're thinking about the flexibility, you're thinking about the well-being of your people, and then that will help to position not position you, excuse me, not only for this moment, but for the future as well. Absolutely. And I love that because we've seen so many of these like kind of culture band-aids that a lot of organizations came up with at the beginning of the pandemic. It's like, oh, we used to hand around physical birthday cards, let's send an e-birthday card, you know, like as silly as like stuff like that, you know, that stuff is like, you know, maybe that kind of worked at the beginning of the pandemic, but that ain't going to work now. It's <laughs> not going to work in the future. We need to think more holistically yeah. about that employee experience and how we can offer flexibility for folks. Uh, yeah, I'm all about it. I agree with that. I think in that time, people didn't really know what to do, right? It's a pandemic and they're like, how do we adjust? How do we make sure we keep people engaged and continue to support innovation, collaboration, and people aren't in the office. And prior to this point, people were saying we couldn't be, you know, work from other places, but we figured it out. And that's the big thing and takeaway from it is that we can figure it out. And this has given us an opportunity to ask those questions that I was saying earlier and really think about how do we work differently in all aspects and what does that work look like in the future? So there are a lot of opportunities there. There's the cheesy part of that. I like a little bit of the cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> me too, to totally. Reach, <laughs> to reach out to me for my birthday, that's nice. But I, I, there is a piece of, okay, what is more sustainable? What is what are you trying to embed in your culture as you continue to go mm -hmm. forward that we have to shift to versus I would say more of the surface type of interactions people are looking to create? Absolutely. So lastly, I wanted to point to what I think is one of the most powerful stories in your book, in my opinion. Uh, and it's about a woman named Glory who falls in love with a company because of the way that it looks from the outside. But once she's in it, everything starts to fall apart. And a big reason why is the company's lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. So how do you see the relationship between employee engagement and DEI? There's a big connection with that. And 
as I mentioned earlier, my mission is around the experience disparity in the workplace. And I didn't talk much about it, but a part of the reason why I wrote the book, I was reflecting on my own employee experience. And no, I'm not glory in the book. This is somebody else's story. But I resonated with that story because as a Black woman, working through corporate America, I have had similar experiences. I have had to pause and question like, hmm, am I being treated differently? And if so, why? And have conversations around it or not have conversations because of concerns with how will this impact my career? Do I speak up now or do I wait till later? Because I'm, I will say I'm more on the courageous end. I will ask more of those questions and stand up for myself. But there have been times when I've chosen silence or when I've chosen to wait because I didn't know and didn't have that full psychological safety to feel like if I bring this up, there would be no retaliation or nothing that happens to me because prior to that point, the environment already showed it wasn't built or set up for, for my success. So similar to Glory's story, I, I was very intentional of including that in there because before 2020, we were talking about it, but people weren't talking about DE and I as much as it's the hot hot topic now. And I don't see it as a topic. I see it. I try to be very intentional how I talk about it, meaning it should be embedded in an organization's strategy. It's not an initiative. This should be a part of your, your values, how you live, how people are experiencing each other in the workplace. And it's very critical. So when you think about the employee experience and you think about the deed, do you have diversity? Is that representation there? Are you open to diversity of different thoughts? Can people see themselves in leaderships or in different roles? Because if you're speaking to somebody about being able to grow in the organization and they don't see it, it's really hard to articulate and tell that story to someone without showing that there's results around that. And then when you go to the equity part, okay, you may have people in the organization that look like you, but are they getting the same type of opportunities as the next person that doesn't look like them? Are they being promoted? Are they, be, are they being considered for the special projects? Are they getting the same chances? And that's a place where there's the opportunity to pause and really say, okay, are there shifts that we need to make in the in the workplace because when you think about it from an engagement standpoint if you're not getting those same things you start to feel like you don't have career growth opportunities you start to feel dejected you start to feel it's not a safe place so it connects a lot with being able to feel like you're included in an organization and feel like you belong and can create that community and then just the justice part. So if you ask me, I'm very heavy on the E and the J, the equity and the justice. I'm going to fight <laughs> for anybody that is, you know, underrepresented or not getting that fair shake across the board. It doesn't matter because that shouldn't be a question coming into an organization. That is the, the price of entry, so to speak. It should be foundational. And if we are not really thinking about it from that standpoint, and not doing a breakdown and looking at the intersectionality when it comes to engagement, 
it's a missed opportunity for the organization and it's a missed opportunity for those people in the organization and it's a missed opportunity for people that won't end up at the organization because they'll be able to see it and candidates now more than ever are really assessing how are you managing through that and after the unrest in 2020 and the murder of George Floyd organizations make commitments they put their stake in the ground and this is our flag and we're going to do better on on DEI whether it's with black employees or across the board and so they have to be able to show where they're at on the journey and how they're moving forward and if they're not able to do that it impacts how engaged people are and it impacts their employee proposition value prop of them wanting to come there so I definitely encourage employers and managers to really think through that and how they can continue to build the competency so they can build the capa capability, excuse me, to be effective. So I'm going to say that again because I stumbled over it, but it's like build the competency so you can build the capability in the DEI space to be effective for your people. Absolutely. Um, and as far as building the capability, I, I I hope you won't mind, won't mind a quick little bonus question. Okay. I was just thinking about how um, some folks say that you can't do DEI from the top down because then it's just all policies and trainings and whatever, and it doesn't really take root. There's also folks who say that you have to do DEI from the top down because if leadership doesn't buy in, then it will never happen. So where do you fall on this? idea I top think, down versus not i think dei is everyone's responsibility you have to have executive buy-in because they are going to help to set the tone they are very critical in creating the culture what behaviors are acceptable what behaviors do we want to have in the organization and that's a part of them leading DNI is is leadership capability, right? So that is a big part of them being able to say, this is what we stand for, and we are creating an inclusive environment. We expect these certain behaviors, and we're going to work towards creating this culture as we go forward. So that's a part they play in this. But then there's a piece of employees being uh, a part of that process. What experience are you giving to the next person working beside you? How are you making sure they feel like they're included? How do you make sure that they feel like they belong and they can share their insights and you're creating community? Um, there are pieces of that because your employees, they, they help to create the culture as well. And ideally, you're nurturing your talent so they can continue to grow. And eventually, they will be in leadership positions. So we can't look at it as an either or. It's more of a, a both and. You need everybody in the organization committed around what you're going to do with DEI. Leadership have, helps to set the tone around that, but everybody has to help to execute mm -hmm. on it. Your, the journey around that will not progress if there is an alignment there in regards to where you're going. So you have to have the understanding of where you're at, where you're going, and everybody needs to know the role they play and making sure you get there. So that would be my position uh, on that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Marissa.
Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my my perspective on the Great Resignation and just things that organizations can continue to do from a DEI space, and then also how they can look to engage their um, employees overall. So hopefully, people take something away from today. If if so, that that makes this all the while to make a better experience for their people. So. Um, that is my, my gift to everyone here today. And hopefully I can uh, connect with you all. I, I am on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out to me. I am Marissa Lee. Absolutely. And if, if you won't plug it, I'll plug it again. Um, if folks want to find your book, they can look it up on Amazon by searching for Why I Broke Up With My Company. How did I forget about that? The number one (laughs) book, How I Broke Up With My Company. Yes, please make sure you check that out. I speak about how we can rethink the relationship between employer and employees. So if you fall in either category, you will be able to find something in this book to take away to continue to get better as an individual and as an organization as a whole. So definitely make sure you check out Why I Broke Up With My Company, available on Amazon. Absolutely. Yes. There's something in there for employers and employees alike. Well, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Please visit apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. 